The sermon's title is Mad or Glad, and in today's rather long passage in Acts 5, 17 to 42, we're going to see a truth, that Jesus Christ either makes you mad or glad. If you doubt that, can you tell me why someone hits their thumb with a hammer and they don't say, oh, Buddha? (laughs) Jesus Christ either makes you mad or glad. In our passage for today, the high priest, the Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin were mad about Christ. But in contrast, the apostles were glad about Christ. And I trust we're an assembly of believers this morning that are glad about Jesus Christ. Amen? And that we always are glad about him. And we go into the day-to-day activities Mondays through Saturdays in, the, in our communities, in our homes. So the high priests, the Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin were mad about Christ. The apostles were glad. And as we quickly work our way through verses 17 to 42, in your minds, in in your imaginations, I want you to create two columns. Two columns as we read these verses. One column will be the persons who were mad at Christ, and the other column will be persons who were glad about Christ. In the mad column, we're going to see the way the text describes how that madness was played out, and in the glad column, we're going to see how the text portrays how those who were glad about Christ, what that looked like. And so without further ado, let's begin at verse 17 of Acts chapter 5. Hear the word of God. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. You could translate that indignation as jealousy. They were filled with jealousy about Christ. So in the mad column, you can put jealous. They were jealous of the apostles, and they were jealous of their Christ because Christ's popularity was on the upswing and the apostles' notoriety was on the upswing as they served Christ. And the high priests, the Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin were mad about that because they didn't like religious competition. They had had the market cornered for some time. They had lined their pockets with personal wealth and status and influence and favor, and they didn't like any competition from Jesus Christ. Neither does Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. In May of 2019, Justin Trudeau said that evangelical Christians are the worst part of Canadian society. He didn't say that Christians are the worst part of Canadian society. He made the point of saying that evangelical Christians are the worst part of Canadian society. Why? Because evangelical Christians like us take the Bible seriously, and the Bible centers in a literal risen Christ. He hates, Justin Trudeau hates Jesus Christ and those who follow Christ. Pray for his soul. Not to be forgotten, in March of 1966, Beatle John Lennon said in a London newspaper that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus and that 
the public were more infatuated with the band than with Jesus. And, Lenin said, that the Christian faith was declining to the extent that it might be outlasted by rock music. Why did Lenin pick Jesus? To say the Beatles were more important than Jesus, more popular than Jesus, they had more of a following than Jesus, and that the Christian faith would go away because Jesus Christ either makes you mad or glad. Jesus Christ either makes you mad or glad. Verses 18 to 24 of our passage. And filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. When they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught But the high priest and those who were with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. I guess they did. Jesus Christ either makes you mad or glad, and the verses I've just read said that there was a divine jail bust. God broke the apostles who were prisoners in the jail. He broke them out of jail. He freed them. And the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests wondered, the text says. They wondered in the sense of being completely baffled and completely puzzled by what had happened. You know, persons who don't love Christ, persons who aren't glad about Jesus Christ or his message, often can't fully figure out what God is up to. Noticed? It makes sense. Because those who are not yet in Christ by faith are called spiritually dead And the spiritually dead are not in the know when it comes to God's will. They won't be, in fact, in the know when it comes to God's will until they move from spiritual deadness to spiritual life. They're regenerated at conversion and given the Holy Spirit to live inside of them permanently. So in the mad column, to jealousy you can add completely baffled. Verses 25 to 33. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We need more Christians nowadays to say that. We ought to obey God rather than men. Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging him on a tree. Him God exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit from God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, 
They were furious and plotted to kill him. So in the mad column, you can add furious and murderous. The captain of the temple guard and the Sanhedrin were fearful and they were furious. They were both afraid for themselves and angry at the apostles because the apostles weren't playing by their little board game rules, which was to shut up. Instead of shutting up, the apostles spoke up. We need more Christians like that. So in the mad column, we can also put down fearful and furious. Verses 34 to 40. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And when he said to them, and he said to them rather, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thudas rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, arose in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. May I interject? I hope none of us openly or secretly are fighting against God in any manner. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. Verse 40. And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Very interesting. Sometimes, rarely, those who are mad at the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel will get some good advice, and rarely they will accept good advice. Here's a prime example. God had a Pharisee named Gamaliel speak to the Sanhedrin to warn them about trying to fight against God. He warned them as Christ rejectors, as persons who were mad at Jesus Christ, he warned them not to try to fight against God. Sometimes, in the mercy of his common grace, God will give those who are mad at his son some wise advice. It's called God's common grace. And it's an amazing grace that often goes unnoticed and unappreciated. God's common grace defined by Sam Storms is the following, and I quote, common grace as an expression of the goodness of God is every favor falling short of salvation which this undeserving and sin-cursed world enjoys at the hand of God. This includes the delay of wrath, 
the mitigation of our sin natures, natural events that lead to prosperity, all gifts that humans use and enjoy naturally. Common grace includes all undeserved blessings that natural man receives from the hand of God. Rain, sun, prosperity, health, happiness, natural capacities and gifts, sin being restrained, not having complete dominion, etc. The doctrine of common grace explains how a man can be totally depraved and yet still commit acts that are, in some sense, good. End of quote. Common grace. The common grace of God. What I hasten to say, though, that the common grace of God is not at all the same as saving grace. And no one who experiences the common grace of God alone will be in heaven. It is only believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who experience the saving grace that comes through faith in Christ that will make heaven. There are plenty of persons through human history Myriads of persons who had rain come down and their crops grow and they had personal happiness and capacities fulfilled in their lives, they went to hell. Because common grace won't send you to heaven. Common grace argues that there's a special grace, a saving grace offered in Christ. You know the two precious verses we have memorized and that we share as we share our faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace... Saving grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it, saving grace. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one will boast. Well, here in our account, the high priest and the Sanhedrin were given some common grace, some good advice. If these apostles are just speaking as men, it'll go away. If they're speaking from God, don't you dare fight against God. That was common grace and good advice and a warning. The Sanhedrin may have been jealous and completely baffled and fearful and furious, as seen in the verses we've already covered, but they got from God and they accepted from God the common grace warning not to try to fight against God. Verse 40 again. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So those Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, were violent. They had the apostles beaten. And they not only were violent, they were oppositional. They strongly prohibited any speaking of the name of Jesus going forward. So let's summarize. Let's summarize the mad at Jesus column those who were mad at Christ and those who still are mad at Christ are characterized by jealousy. They are completely baffled. They are fearful and they are furious and they are violent and they are oppositional. You know, believe it or not, 
there are persons in our commonwealth of the Bahamas that are mad at Jesus Christ. Remember the funeral director who phoned me some months back and asked me to do a graveside funeral for a family he was dealing with? And then he told me, you can't name the name of Christ in the graveside service at the family's dictate. Some people are mad at Jesus. Do you know about the movement afoot in the evangelical church of angry Christians, either real Christians or phony Christian gods knows, who slandered the church, who slandered pastors with the intention of hindering the gospel? It's put under this fancy label of deconstructing Christian faith as if that's an intellectual, noble pursuit to take what you learned in Sunday school or Awana or in a sermon growing up in an evangelical church and to deconstruct it, to take the parts out of it you don't believe anymore. There are some evangelical Christians, real or phony, who are mad at Jesus. Could it be that in the ranks of our universities in this region, there's atheist, atheist college students? Of course there are. There are university students at the universities of the Caribbean that are atheists, but I have an inside track that at one of those universities, there are more professors who are atheists than our students that are atheists. But do you know what that means? That won't be that way for long. If you are being taught by an atheistic professor at a university, he or she will sway more to disbelieve in God's existence. This is in our region, the Caribbean. When we go to the grocery store, we try to eat fresh vegetables and fruits that are, taste good and they're healthier. And when we look at a box, a clear box of strawberries, what we're looking for is one bad strawberry. You know why? Because if there's one bad strawberry, then the whole container is going to be bad if you leave it long enough, right? You let atheistic professors teach at your university, and you're going to get atheistic graduates from that university. Some people are mad at Jesus Christ. And my question is, given that so, why should we be surprised when Christ rejectors in our country and in our region are jealous and completely baffled and fearful and furious and oppositional to Christ? Why should that surprise us? And furthermore, if that's the chain of events, why should we be surprised if they become violent one day? Uh, not to surprise us. <laughs> some of us are cat lovers, and some of us are dog lovers. Some of us are neither. But when my dog shakes, water off his back and soaks me, and gets our furniture wet, that's a dog being a dog. Dogs shake when they're wet. At night, 
When our dog hears a noise, it's a strange noise in the middle of the night, he barks and he barks and he barks and he disrupts our neighbors. He barks. That's a dog being a dog. And I can't change a dog being a dog. But you know what? I can't stop a lost person from being a lost person either. Only Jesus Christ can by his Holy Spirit's working. And these who are mad at Jesus Christ need salvation. And that's why we pray for them. That's why we witness to them. That's why we invite them to trust Christ. Because just like I can't stop my dog from being a dog, I can't stop a lost person from being a lost person. Only share the gospel is what I can do. And then Christ, by his spirit, draws that lost person to salvation and newness of life and life out of spiritual deadness and heart change. Only God can switch out a dead heart for a living heart in a person. But when God does change a heart, when he saves us and gives us spiritual life and makes us born-again believers, then we can resemble those in our passage who were glad about Christ. The apostles. Very quickly, how did the apostles look? We've looked at the mad column at Jesus. Let's look at the glad column in Jesus by what the text tells us was true of the apostles. And as we are 21st century followers of Jesus Christ, we ought to be glad about Jesus Christ. And what's in the glad column historically ought to be in the glad column in our daily living. So what do these apostles look like? Very quickly. First of all, they looked eagerly obedient. I see that in verses 19 through the first part of 21. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. Remember, they'd been forbidden from speaking the name or teaching the name of Jesus. But they didn't just wait till mid-morning or noon or mid-afternoon or evening or the dark under the cover of darkness. In the morning, they went and preached and taught Jesus Christ. They were eagerly obedient, but there's more. They were civilly disobedient. They did not obey godless government. 27 to 29, look. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem. I love that. They had filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And in and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Verse 29, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. (laughs) We need more glad Christians who see it that way. The glad apostles were eagerly obedient and they were civilly disobedient, but there's more. They were absolutely Christ-centered in their message. 30 and 31, please. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered, that's direct preaching, by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Their message was centered 
on the cross work of Christ. You could not have told an apostle that he overemphasized Jesus Christ in his ministry. We who are glad in Christ, our message should be the cross. Without fear, without embarrassment, without hesitation, without compromise, our message must be the cross and the Savior who died on it and was raised from the dead. But that's not all. The apostles were eagerly obedient, civilly disobedient, absolutely Christ-centered in their message, and they were entirely Holy Spirit-propelled. Look at verse 32, please. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. They said, you know why we're obeying and saying the name of Jesus in the early morning and not slinking around and hiding and being bashful and just trying to save our own skins? Because we have the Holy Spirit who God has given to us so that we would obey God. They weren't just eagerly obedient. They weren't just civilly disobedient. They were absolutely Christ-centered in their message, and they were entirely Holy Spirit-propelled, but there's more. Verse 41, they joyously accepted the call to suffer. So when they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name. When you're glad about Christ, that's how you see it. Not only were they eagerly obedient, civilly disobedient, absolutely Christ-centered in their message, entirely Holy Spirit-propelled, joyously accepted the call to suffer, but last, they were continuously vocal. Verse 42. And daily, daily, in the temple public place, and daily in the temple, and in every house, private places, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I love that. They were continuously vocal, whether they were outside in the public forum, whether in the marketplace, the temple, wherever they were in the open, they talked about Jesus, the Christ. In every home, when you walked into a home of believers, they were talking about Christ. They were worshiping Christ. That's what it means to be glad about Christ. Back then and still today, we need more believers who are glad about Christ. We need a whole lot more believers who are eagerly obedient and civilly disobedient and absolutely Christ-centered in their message and entirely Holy Spirit-propelled and joyously accepting of the call to suffer and continuously vocal about Christ. We need more glad Christians. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name. In the name, the precious name of him who died for me, through grace I'll win the promised crown. Whate'er my cross may be, must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, 
while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? This is, this, is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Since I must fight if I would reign, increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Jesus either makes you mad or glad. In one of our region's universities, For a music major, a vocal coach told that music major in that university not to sing song about Jesus. Jesus Christ either makes you mad or glad. In one of the churches I pastored in the States, there was a young man, a godly young man, who was glad about Jesus Christ, and he let it show for his baseball team. He was a star pitcher on the baseball team, and they were out of state at a tournament, and they were on a bus, and they stopped for lunch. And they pulled into this parking lot, and there was a Hooters restaurant with scattily clad servers. And the whole team filed off the bus to go into Hooters. And the believer who is glad about Christ sat right on the bus without moving. The coach, when they got into the restaurant, I guess the coach hadn't missed the player. And one of the players said, hey, Timmy's not here. Timmy's not here. I don't know where Timmy is. So the coach went back to the bus, and there's Timmy sitting in the bus, just calm, cool, and collected. And the coach said, why aren't you coming in, Timmy? He said, I'm not going to a restaurant that markets itself in that way and presents temptation. Coach said, what are you going to do for lunch? I guess I'll sit on the bus and find it elsewhere later today. Do you know what happened? The coach went into the restaurant and he hauled the whole team out of Hooters and put them on the bus. And he said, if we don't eat, we play as a team on the diamond and we eat as a team, we're going to find another restaurant. Jesus Christ either makes you mad or glad. And when he makes us glad, we unashamedly stand for him, and we vocally talk about him. And what a privilege and what a joy. Oh, Lord, we thank you. You've made us glad. You are so precious to us. You're more precious to us, Lord Jesus, than life itself. Help us, Lord, to love people who are mad about you and not to back down about being glad about you when they're mad about you. Lord, grow this church through conversion growth as we share the love of God, the hope of God, the message of God, because we're glad about the Son of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, 
Amen.